pondering thought when you consider that in our lives we are dealing with so much. We deal with burdens. We deal with trash. We deal with baggage. We're dealing with heartache. I think it's sad that so many of us are complacent and we've enjoyed the heaviness of our life. If you'll notice up here on the platform, I had luggage. Because I wanted you to see a visual today. And understand that many of us are dealing with some baggage in our life. We're dealing with some trash in our life. We haven't come to grips with our past. And we're not free and we're not victorious because of the junk in our trunk. How many of you could say, yes, I know what it's like to to go on vacation? Have you ever taken a vacation? Great. Glad we've all had a vacation. We've all done something. And you know that feeling? How many of you now have know that you have to pay for luggage on an airplane? Okay. So what we do is we take a small bag and we pack it full of stuff. And we go through the airport kind of like dragging our suitcases, pulling with all that we have within us our suitcases, pushing our suitcases because they're so heavy. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get through the line and, and the reason why we've got so much stuff in this, in this luggage is because we can't afford another $25 bag or another $50 bag. And so then we wheel it and... It, You guys love this illustration, don't you? You guys picture those people that all of a sudden they get on the big 747 jet and they're carrying that luggage and uh, uh. does it look heavy? Because it's not. Okay, back to what I was doing. Um, So all of a sudden we're carrying that baggage and we're carrying that luggage and we get get in the plane and we shove it. Wow, it's finally in there. And then there's some of us. We'll take it back out. Okay. And there's some of us that will say, I'm going to stick it underneath my seat. So what we do is we take our luggage and we try to shove it, poke it, prod it. Then we try to sit down and you can't. Next thing you know, you're grabbing it and you're sitting it on your lap. It's exhausting, isn't it? And it's tiring when you think about the baggage and the luggage that you have to carry. I know it's difficult even for some when it comes to your springtime festivities as you travel around the world or you're going to a place where there's sun. But you don't know, you're not for sure what to take. You take winter clothes, you take your trunks, do you take shorts? It's always difficult when you live in Ohio. And then you're heading to Florida. I know for us every year, it's very difficult to figure out what is the weather going to be like. And I know for some that went to Florida this year, last year was in the 80s and 90s. This year was a little chilly down there. But I want you to stay focused more on the baggage, the luggage, the trash of our life. In today's society, there are those of us that either want to hold on to the past 
or are afraid to move on from their past lives. There were situations that happened to them 10 or maybe 15 years ago that they are still holding on to. An old saying that people used to say was this, let bygones be bygones. It's time to let the past stay in the past. And with that statement, it brings me to two points today. Point number one, don't look back because there's nothing there. Do you hear me? Don't look back because there's nothing there. Point number two, do not be afraid because God has your back. Great illustration from Pastor Chris and Hillary. He wants to relieve you of that burden. He wants to relieve you of all that junk, of all the burdens that you're carrying, if you'll just relinquish and let go of the trash in your life. Last Sunday, even though Pastor Chris preached, I started on Saturday praying about this message. And I was driving down the road and God really convicted my heart and said, you know what, preach on baggage or luggage or trash in our lives because so many of us haven't dealt with our past there is freedom in the present and in the future if you'll give it to christ we love the song lay it at the foot of the cross why because that's where he took it all on he took all of your trash and as pastor chris said as he was representing who god was he took it on for you and for me. Today, if you, will, if you will, please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. As I'm going to be talking about the Israelites. They had a difficult time letting go. Getting rid of the past. Exodus chapter 14, 11 through 14 says this, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, I want you to circle this in your Bible. Fare ye not. Comma. Then it says, stand still. Don't you love this scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Wow. I, I have to stop and, and reflect just upon that, that part of scripture. And to think, when just saying it in my mind, be still. And know that I am God. Have you ever just stood still and realized that what you're carrying around, God knows. He knows your heart. He knows what you're going through. But if you'll be still and reflect upon Him, then revival starts to take place. The load becomes lighter and victory starts to take place in your life. He was trying to tell the, the children of Israel, listen. Why are you focusing on the past? Look what I'm trying to do for you in the present. 
The Shekinah glory of God already came in Exodus chapter 13. And the word of the Lord came and spoke to the children of Israel, spoke to Moses. Reminds me of us. Isn't it amazing? God will speak to us and we go, that it surely isn't Him. I love how Hillary really demonstrated that this morning. We, we know we're hearing the voice of God, but we're ignoring it. Because we're too busy and we're enjoying our wilderness experiences he says in verse 13 stand still and see the salvation stand still and see the deliverance that word salvation means deliverance wow we say god i want delivered god i want you to take this away from me but we don't allow him to be our salvation We don't allow Him to deliver us from where we're at because we're comfortable. And then it says, And see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and He shall hold your peace. Wow! Do you hear that? That God will fight for you. I love the Old Testament. I do. I love the power of God Almighty. I love to see that here's what he said. If you want to get out of there, then go. There's a work to do. There's a lady who used to be a part of this church and she said to me when I was looking at this building, she said, We don't need to move over to Riverside Drive. We're happy right at the Core Cultural Center. My comment was this. Really? You might be happy there, but I'm doing what God told me to do. I rounded this corner. I've never been on Riverside Drive a day in my life. Somebody could have said Riverside Drive, and I'd have said, where? Are we going to Lake Erie? I didn't know where it was at. But my wife and I were over here at Swenson's around the corner. There was a for sale sign. And we did what God wanted us to do. We obeyed the voice of the Lord. Do you understand? Over 100 people have been baptized. Isn't that awesome? People have rededicated their lives. Souls have been saved. Because God is in it. If God be for us, who shall be against us? The children of Israel are saying, you know what? But but that looked so good back there. I'm comfortable. I I love working for Pharaoh. He's feeding us. He's housing us. I might get beaten to death every day, but so I'm a slave, but I'm kind of used to this now. I like the abuse. I like the trash in my life. Can we just please go back? Come on, Moses. Let's go back. I just got to tell all of you this. I don't want to go back to the YMCA. If you never pulled a 80 five to 150 pound tarp across the gymnasium floor. Nobody got time for that. That's all I'm saying. I ain't doing it. I'm not. But if God wants me to, I will. If he says, take a tent and start preaching, well, here I go. Here's the children of Israel who kept saying, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. I love recovery. I love that so many people last week, was if you didn't get the opportunity to see the cardboard ministry, you know what that was? 
People saying, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. They're moving forward. They're not staying. They're not complacent where they're at. They're saying, I want to live a victorious life. Today, I want delivered. And it said, you know, wasn't it awesome to see Tim Day? I'm sober. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's free, folks. He doesn't want to go back to the past. Are those temptations still there? Brother Ron Horning and I were talking about that yesterday morning. Those temptations are always going to be there. Satan loves us in the wilderness experience. But church, have you surrendered to Almighty God? And have you realized that He wants to give you peace? That He's fighting for you? How I love God and how I love the power of Almighty God. And I hope you can embrace that today. I could have an altar call right now because I just really believe that in three verses, there's actually a message for God's people. Deliverance is now. He loves you. And He cares for you. But remember that what you're going through, He understands He hasn't forgotten about you because He loves you and He cares for you. And His grace, it says, is all sufficient for you. He understands. Let us pray. Father, we come to You today and we're thankful for Your Word. Father, we're thankful that today we can learn to, to get rid of the past, put fear aside and worry, and take steps for the future. Father, Help me today to explain your word with clarity, with authority, and Lord, hide me behind the cross. Let your word go forth, may it not come back void, may it prosper to each heart and to each life. And Father, we're grateful for your word today. Thank you for your delivering power. And thank you for allowing the words from Moses to be scripted upon the pages of our life to see the almighty hand of an awesome God. In your name we pray. Amen. Turn, if you would, please, to Romans. I'm sorry, not Romans, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it reads. Wherefore, seeing, it says, wherefore, since we are also compassed, or the word would be surrounded by, about with such great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which does so easily beset us or ensnare us, and let us run with patience or perseverance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is what? the originator, the author, and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He knows what you're going through because he's the author of your life. When I think of this message, I can't help but think of when it's 
the days or the times of slavery. When I think of the slaves that were on the plantations, they worked and worked and worked from sunup to sundown. They were in the fields working with cotton, with tobacco, in vegetable gardens and livestock such as cows and hogs, chickens and etc. But one day the Emancipation Proclamation was passed and slavery was abolished. This was the law that Abraham Lincoln signed for all slaves to be free. They were free to leave the plantations and start their lives over. Start their lives afresh and anew. When the slaves heard of this law being passed, most of them did not leave the plantations because of fear. They feared not being able to survive. They feared the unknown. So they chose to stay on the plantations and continued on being slaves. Listen to all my brothers and sisters here today. When God delivers you out of your situation or out of a situation, you need to pick up your baggage and leave. Do you hear me? You need to pick up your baggage and leave. In Exodus, the poor Israelites were so afraid that they completely forgot about what God had done for them and were getting angry with the man of God. They began to blame him and God for their circumstances. So if we turn back to Exodus... Genesis, Exodus. I want to read to you verses 15 through 20. And I want you to see the setting that is here. In verse 15 of Exodus, chapter 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Isn't that amazing? Underline that. They go forward. He didn't say, have them go back. I made a slight mistake. I want you to go backwards instead of forwards. So he continued in verse 16, But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon, all his host upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all the night. In their little minds, they had forgotten about the prayers and the prayers that had delivered them from Pharaoh, that had delivered them from being a slave. They had forgotten about the killing of the male babies. They're ready to pack up and go back to the lash and to the whip. The Lord said unto Moses, and this is what really stopped me last night when I was in my study. And here's what he said. Stop praying. I thought that was like a moving thought. I, you know, we're always saying, let's go to the Lord in prayer. But he said, stop praying. 
tell them to move forward. And I understand that prayer must have a vital place in all of our lives. But there's also a place for action. Sometimes we know what to do. But we pray for more guidance as an excuse to postpone doing it. If we know what we should do, then it is time to get moving. It is time to trust in God. It is time to surrender. But here they were, excuse after excuse after excuse. But you see here, they were brainwashed to believe that what they had really wasn't that bad. That's why some people through spout through some spousal abuse because in their minds to leave is worse than to suffer the mental and physical abuse. They love it. They accept it. And it seems like they divorce one couple and they go to another one through the same abuse. Here's what God's saying. Let go and let God move forward. Have faith. There is nothing at that dump but trash. Yesterday, a couple got married here. At the very end, a precautious son came back and he said, is there anything else I can do to help clean up? And as we stood there, Brother Doug and I, and spoke with him, it's very moving to me because he said this. I asked him where he worked and where he lived, and he said, in our culture, we'll always live with mom and dad. How'd you like all of your kids to live with you forever? Oh... Amen. <laughs> That's right. But they combine all their stuff. You know why? Because they lived in a 12 by 12 room. They lived in a small little house. They were in captivity. Some of these kids that are 20, uh, they've been in captivity for 20 years over there in Nepal. They don't know what it's like to live without them. If you can live in a 12 by 12 room, it's probably a mansion living in a 1,500 square foot home. What have we done? We've become complacent. The children of Israel have become complacent. They said, we want to go back. But we love this. We enjoy this life. And God was saying, I don't want you to look back. There is nothing for you. Do you hear me, church? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're a new creation. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. He wants you to live in victory. If you're not growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ every day of your life, then you need to examine your soul, examine your life, and ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm not doing, God? And you know what he'll say? Here's how to fix it. Get in my word. Pray. Move forward. He wants that in your life. This past week I was on the phone with my cousin Ed, and he said, and you've heard me say, tell, so tell me a God story. So I got on the phone. I was heading over to one of uh, my accounts at ABC. It was 7 a.m. in the morning. And he said, I'm so glad you called me because I've been waiting for this phone call. And I said, why? He goes, you're not going to believe what happened to me yesterday. So, you know, anytime someone says that, don't you guys go like this? You're not going to believe what happened. First of all, is your thought this? Were you in an accident? What happened? You know, we panic. Instead of going... Tell me some good news. Because most of the time we don't have the good news. So here's that. And he says, listen what happened. I went to one place. It was Lowe's where I buy. He has his own construction business. And, and uh, 
he remodels foreclosed homes. And so he had gone to one place and he says, I'm looking for this four by eight by 16 by three quarters by 17, 22, 18. I don't know what it was, but I'll never be able to repeat it. And I'm not a carpenter. So I don't know what he was looking for, but it was something like a two by four. They didn't have it. <laughs> it's a piece of wood. They didn't have it. So he said, you know, the lady that was there was really kind enough. She said, what I want you to do is I want you to jump in your vehicle. I want you to travel about five to ten miles. There's this place over there. They always carry this measurement, this size, and so on and so forth. And so Ed got in the vehicle and he got there. On the way there, he said, I was getting frustrated. People were cutting in front of me. People were swerving. I mean, people, he goes, and, you know, I know some of you don't have road rage. But anyhow, he was confessing that he has road rage. And then he's really trying hard to, to overcome that. So on his way there, you know, he finally gets there. He goes inside, and the man says, sir, can we help you? And he said, yes, I'm here to get this 4 by 8 by 22 by 16 by 3 and a quarter and whatever it was. And he's like, okay, great, we have it. Wait here. And he's like, wait here? So he said, I'm sitting here, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. He said, I waited some more, and I waited some more. And he said, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And he said, you know, after a while, I started getting frustrated. And I was so mad. He goes, you know... Obviously, we knew he was mad because he was already mad when he left the house to, or the Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever place it was just to get there. He was frustrated. And we realized that Satan wanted him to lose his joy. You can hit the air for me, please. And although you guys are staying awake, that's great. And so as he's sitting there, he looked in his rearview mirror and he said, wow, he could see this gentleman. And he was on a tow motor. And he's shaking his head and he's doing this and he's all mad and Ed's like, wow, I wonder what his problem is. So Ed goes, I, I'm sick and tired of sitting here waiting, you know, as he was watching. He goes to get out of his vehicle, and the man yells, get back in your vehicle! Eddie said, I turned around and said, were you talking to me? He goes, yeah, I was talking to you. And Eddie goes, oh, okay. So he said, what did I do? I got back in my vehicle. And he goes, I sat there for a minute and thought, wait a minute. Who's this man... And he started coming towards the truck, and he said, I got out of my vehicle, and he said, I walked over to that. And it was a black gentleman on, and that doesn't matter, but he said, I looked at him, and I said, um, I'm going to ask you a question. What has happened to you today? And he didn't even know him. The guy was so floored that he stopped, and he looked at him and said, well, what do you mean what's happened to me today? He goes, I need to ask you, what's going on in your life? And Ed said, I was able to see this man. And his exposure change. And here's this older gentleman in his 40s. I'm 43, so I could say this. I could have said 22. I know. So middle-aged, young and excited. So anyhow, he, he just started weeping. And Ed said, at that point, I'm looking at him going, what did I just do? And the stuff that was actually on that tow motor was for him. And he said... I'm having some issues. You know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I got involved in this church, and I was playing in the praise band, and now I have an offense with my brother, and I just, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to confront this issue. And Ed said to him, well, what are you doing in regard to your I don't know. It's been two months. Eddie said, you know, I looked in the rearview mirror, and you were shaking your hand, and you're talking out loud, and I could see the anger on your face. He said, you need to move forward. He goes, but my dad and my mom and this dysfunctionality and the divorce and everything else that went on, he said, 
sounds like you've got a lot of baggage in your life. And it said, can I ask you a question? What's that sitting next to you? You ready for this? He goes, that's my Bible. He said, because just this morning, I said, as I was shaking my fist to heaven going, God, where are you? Have you forsaken me? What's going on? You know what? I'm just going to go back to my old life. I'm going to go back to drinking and smoking and carousing. I'm going to live a sinful life. I'm going back to the past because you've forgotten about me. And Ed said, I put my hand on his shoulder and said, No, he loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. And the man stopped and said, You're right. Because I just said this morning, God, show me a sign. Answer my prayer. And Ed said, I'm your sign. God sent me here. Now let me tell you why I'm at this store. He goes, Lowe's didn't have the 2 by 4 by 12 by 2200 and whatever it was. And he didn't. So I know it gets bigger all the time. Sonia loves this. She works at Home Depot. She's like, okay, Todd, you know. <laughs> so, but what's so great about this story is that Ed was telling him to move forward. They embraced in a big hug. Do you see what's happening? It really wasn't about that moment with the, the children of Israel. It was God speaking to them to say, don't lose sight. Don't lose focus. Listen, church, we have a responsibility to win souls for Jesus Christ, to change lives, to see souls saved, to see lives baptized, to see people living a victorious Christian life. And it's not just up to me, it's up to every person in this congregation. We have an awesome responsibility. Self-centeredness always creeps in. We just want to go to the past. We want to go back. It's fun to have a pity party, isn't it? It's fun to grab a Kleenex box and go sit on our little, you know, uh, weepy chair and cry and blubber because we're happy to be there. But did you ever think who was watching? Pharaoh was watching. The soldiers were watching. As there was Moses leading the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, out of captivity. Do you see the picture? We're not talking five, we're talking thousands. Don't look back, because there's nothing there. Point number two, don't be afraid because God has your back. Now let's look at what the Israelites were dealing with. Here they are trapped by the Red Sea and the world's greatest army is on their heels to bring them back to Egypt. So it says in verses 6 through 9 in Exodus 14, And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots. I don't know about you, but I would be scared to death if I saw 600 chosen chariots charging at me. Can you imagine Moses? Ah, step aside, God's with us. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't that be great? Ah, don't worry about anything. God's for us. What a testimony. And all the chariots of Egypt, in verse 7, and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pahiaroth, before Belzephon. Sorry, and... Didn't live there. I'm really not sure if I pronounced that right. 
so we realize that the Egyptians were pursuing the nation of Israel. Pharaoh had mobilized 600 of his best chariots as well as many of the other chariots of Egypt. By best chariots, it meant 600 of the most advanced war machines of that day. You know, it didn't say, oh, they came galloping on their horses. No, it gave specifics about the army. Pharaoh had placed all his officers over all of those chariots. A certain number of chariots were assigned to a large number of foot soldiers. Now, in your minds, just imagine 600 of the latest chariots to be built for warfare and hundreds of other chariots mobilized for battle. The numbers of foot soldiers were probably in the tens of thousands. But this was not all. Pharaoh mobilized his horsemen and troops to help support this military campaign. Pharaoh's army was one of enormous size. A major military campaign was being planned and launched against God's people. A campaign to capture and to enslave and to bring back all of them back to Egypt. Israelites feared the Egyptians. And this is where I want to stop. Because I thought, we need to really look at what fear is, what derives us. In the Webster's definition of fear, it is fear can be a feeling of anxiety, an unpleasant feeling of anxiety or apprehension caused by the presence or anticipation of danger. Fear is, the one, is one of the worst nightmares people can face as they journey through the wilderness of this world. Now don't think that the Israelites were the only ones going through a wilderness I believe we are. Whenever we are living for God, we're going to have to go through a wilderness. When God is ready to take us to a higher level in Him, we're going to have to go through what? A wilderness. When we are being tested, we're going to have to face our wilderness. But you see, fear causes people to do several things. People worry insistently about money. People fight amongst themselves. People become overly concerned about the way they look. People strike out about other people. People isolate themselves. People make rash, hurried decisions because of fear. Well, you see, the list could go on and on. But you ask, but preacher, what is a person to do when fear strikes? And I'm glad you asked that question. There's only one antidote. There's only one true remedy. And that remedy is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that delivers us from fear. He's the only one that can bring peace in the midst of the storm. Now I want you to listen closely as we meditate on God's Word and as I read several of these scriptures on fear. Matthew 10, 30-31 says this, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not. Therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. John fourteen twenty seven says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. 
Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Romans 8, 35 through 37 and 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we love Philippians 4.13. And I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. Listen, church. We don't need to be afraid. I was studying last night and I looked at verse 10. And I, and I looked at that and I, I stopped and the word sore afraid actually means very afraid. So I circled and wrote very. But then I circled in verse 13, fear ye not. Let me ask you a question. If God speaks to you and you don't act upon it, whose problem is it? Whose problem is it? Yours. It's our problem. The children of Israel said this. I don't want to go through the desert. This is too, I just hate it out here. I'm getting tired and I'm thirsty. I want to go back. I want to be beat to death. And you know what Moses says? You know what God told me? Quit fearing the wilderness experience. Keep going on. Move forward. Don't look back. And he got to the Red Sea. Isn't it a beautiful story? You guys love watching it on the Bible. It's a miniseries. Wasn't that great? And he raised that staff and they separate and it separated and they walked through there. Can you imagine? Here's Moses. Oh, I think I can, I think I can't, I think I can. Um, okay, God. They're looking at me. Everybody's watching. Um, I hope this works. Oh. Oh. Come on, let's go. Can you imagine? Or did he stand there with confidence and say, God spoke to me. Part the Red Sea. I'm moving forward. Wow, isn't that amazing? Where's our faith? What has God done in our life? Where are you at? Always worrying, always questioning, always saying, but why God? I just don't get it. God doesn't want you to fear. He doesn't want you to be so afraid. He wants you to trust in Him. The enemy, Satan the hater, wants you to worry, worry, worry. He said to the children of Israel, as they traveled for 40, 40 years, wandering in a big circle, because they feared, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If they would just listen. I don't want to be a pastor, a principle-minded pastor. Well, it doesn't look good on paper. So what I think we're going to do, we're not doing it. Well, just a big surprise for all of you. We started on a deck and we're now on Riverside Drive. I want to move forward. Church, 
Have you forgotten to evangelize? Have you forgotten to let people know who your Christ is? Once you have the power of Almighty God, then He starts to do a work in and through you so that others can see. Moses was the representation of God Almighty. And he submitted to that will. Have you submitted? Are you afraid? In closing, I want you to listen really close. I'm so glad that there is a man that helped me to leave my baggage behind. This man had no sin. This man helped everybody he could. This man taught everybody he could. And this man's name is Jesus. He took that walk down the road of Golgotha to a place called the Hill of the Skull, better known as Calvary. He carried that old rugged cross as blood flowed from his body while carrying that old rugged cross. Jesus did not let that distract him. He was steadfast and unmovable to the cause. When he arrived at the top of that old hill called Calvary, they made him lay down on that old rugged cross and began to drive the nails in his hands and in his feet. The crucifixion itself was the most horrible of deaths. As the first nail went in his left hand, he knew that nail was representing the Father which was in heaven. The second nail went in his right hand. He knew that that nail was representing himself, the sacrificial lamb of God. And as that third nail went into his feet, he knew that it was representing the Holy Spirit, which was soon to come. As they raised him high, and he was stretched out wide, there were two thieves hanging there right alongside with Him. One was on the left and one was on the right. I see three nails in the body of Jesus, the Christ. I see three persons hanging on the hill of the skull. I see three nails in each of the thieves. You see, the number three represents the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the number of completion. There was the pain of the driven spikes forced through the flesh of Jesus' hands and His feet. There was the weight of His body jolting and pulling against the spikes as the cross was lifted and rocked into place. There was the scorching sun and the unquenchable thirst gnawing away at His dry mouth and throat. There was the blood that oozed from his scourged back. His thorn-crowned brow. His stick-beaten head. In addition, just imagine the aggravation of flies, of gnats, and other insects. As Jesus hung on that old rugged cross, through it all, He was steadfast. He was still. He was unmovable. Jesus was conscious 
He was aware and fully aware of everything that was going on around him and around the cross. He heard the remarks that were being hurled about him. He heard the lies that were being said about him. But he was still. He stayed steadfast and immovable. I would like to show you a spiritual imagination, if I may. Just as death was about to enter the body of Jesus the Christ, the thief on the right made a confession to Jesus. Jesus, hearing the man on his right, told death, Hold up, death. I'm not running from you. I came to you willingly. I'm just putting you on pause for just a minute. And here's what the thief on the right hand said. In Luke 23, he said, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You see, shortly after this, Jesus gave up the ghost. There were many people that just knew that it was all over for Jesus the Christ. Saturday morning, they just knew that Jesus was done. Saturday night, those names, the same people just knew that, that Jesus was done. But early Sunday morning, something supernatural took place. Early Sunday morning, what happened? Jesus got up. Jesus resurrected. Jesus got up with all power in His hands. And here's what He declared. He said, Peace be unto you. Don't be troubled. Neither be afraid. For behold, this is my hands and my feet. So you see, it is I. It's myself. For they handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And he continued in Luke 24 saying, All these things must be fulfilled which took place with Moses, the prophets, and Psalms concerning me. It was necessary, you see, for me to suffer and to rise on the third day. Here's what I want you to do, disciples. Here's what I want you to do, onlookers. Here's what I want you to do for those that are moving forward. And here's what Jesus, the living, resurrected Christ, had to say. Please preach repentance and remission of sins. This is a promise from who? From my Father unto you. He said, stay. And you will be endued with power from on high. Will you give Jesus your trash? Will you give him your baggage? 
Will you turn over your luggage to him? Will you make a decision today to move forward and never look back? Church, you don't have to be afraid. Because God already knows your fears. Aren't you glad you can lay it at the foot of the cross? Aren't you thankful that whatever you're going through today, you can lay it at the altar? Now that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, today, I encourage all of you to start practicing faith. And you'll have a God story. Let God do a work. Let us all stand as we close. Father, we come to you today, Lord, for some we're heavy. Father, for some today, we just pray that God, you'll do a work and, and let many know that you went to the cross. That you died upon Calvary. That you took that trash upon yourself. That sin. The iniquity. To free us all. Some have lost focus, Father. Some of us are like the children of Israel. Some of us have seen what you've done. But we still doubt your work. And Father, today we pray that as you increase in us, that we will decrease, that faith will increase as fear and worry decreases. Father, I come to you today realizing that all of us, in our own personal relationship with you, need to move forward. Father, if there's someone here today that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. For Father, you said, let not your heart be troubled if you'll just believe in me. Father, may we believe. May we move forward. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your challenge. For Father, I need to stop worrying. And Lord, I need to give it all to you. I ask that you bless your children today. Bless your church. In your holy name we pray. For Father, you will make a way. In your name we pray. Amen.